Hey everybody and thanks for listening in. It's Jasmine, your host with the Mean Green Money Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about bank fraud. And I'm super excited. I know I say that every time, but I'm actually genuinely excited. I'm genuinely excited every time. But this is special because today's guest is none other than my mom. And I'm going to let her introduce herself for everybody. Go ahead. Hello, I'm Jasmine's mom, Veronica Lynch Davis. How are you? And just so that everyone knows, she's going to be talking to us about banking because what do you do? I've been banking with Prosperity Bank for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a bank teller with a lot of hats (laughs) because I've been in banking so long. So um, I I know more in depth about banking because of many years. And so... um, not to get too far into it before we actually uh, before we actually get into the meat of everything, but I know that um, bank fraud, uh, or more so identity theft, or the theft of your personal information is a big thing among um, uh, young people, so we're going to get into that today for you guys. Alrighty, so let's jump right into it. So, I have a lot of information that I had copied down. Uh, but I think I'd like to start it with you leading the discussion with anything that you would like to um, have students take away uh, from this podcast um, to start off, kick things off. Um, in regards to bank fraud in general, because of the day and age has moved away from a lot of paper checks, it has moved on to, as I say, direct deposit and debit credit cards. The fraud is there. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, a lot of people don't think that, you know, um, being on a computer, they have certain mainframes to help block bank fraud. Yeah. But fraudsters still get in yeah. and take that information, whether they can even encrypt a total another debit card and actually have a physical card and be in another state and actually swiping and putting in a pen with your information. So it's very imperative that you do take measures on your own to prevent that. And um, leading into, on that note, leading into another um, kind of branching off, what are some ways that you've seen uh, that that uh, young people or even just people in general um, end up making mistakes in terms of uh, getting their information stolen from them? I know I, I've been guilty of this, and she scolds me many times. She's like, don't do that. But what are some of those like red flags that that you're that come up really often? Like your passwords to have no way, shape, or form anything with any of your information. Meaning, um, let's say, whoops, email, I'm not going to say their name, with <laughs> all of your personal information just on your email. Like, Veronica Lynch, birthday, social security number, gmail.com. Yeah. Like, hey, take my information, <laughs> please. So we don't want to do that in general. So... Yeah. Your debit card PIN number mm-hmm. should have no association with your birthday, your social security number, your mother's birth, none of that. Because yeah. a foster can get all that information. You think they can't. That's why in the bank world, we verify more than just the last four digits of your social. Anybody can get that nowadays. Mm-hmm. So it's imperative that you think of that and also stay off the internet. Everything is not your friend. Yeah. I know... Um, for me personally, I've taken a course where they talk about 
um, computer crime and fraud, uh, defrauding people is one of the major computer crimes and identity theft and things like that. And one of the ways that people don't know that people can um, steal your information is um, when you're typing on your computer, the kind of um, vibrations give like when you type a certain input that certain input like say you type three or the letter or capital l there's a certain vibration that those inputs give off and people can put certain information or like certain malware on your phone or on your device that gives them those vibrations so that they can decode what exactly you're typing in at yeah. a certain point in time and they can then decipher from there what your passwords would be what your pin numbers would be what your card information is and um another personal note is one of my friends ended up going to a website so they can um get some sheet music because uh, they had a performance coming up and they had to type in their information to pay to get the sheet music mm -hmm. and upon doing that that website took all their information and then immediately started basically draining their account like yeah. immediately and so um they had to talk to their um to their uh, to their bank to their respective bank and have all of those charges disputed or more so the basically those transactions disputed because Correct. of that and i know for a lot of students like um doing that kind of thing on their credit cards or debit cards is really it's it's something to look out for that they yeah. need to be cautious of i would say if a student um has the capability of getting a credit card for some things as that nature mm -hmm. where you happen to make a purchase like that where you're kind of indecisive about the website you don't know too much yeah. about it put it on your credit card instead of your debit card a lot of youth around your age and younger mm -hmm. believe that a debit card and a credit card are the same thing they yeah. are not yeah. They are serviced by the same company, MasterCard, Visa, yeah. um, but they are not the same. A debit card will drain directly from your bank account. Mm -hmm. A credit card will not. It just accesses money that you don't. That, yeah, that's not necessarily yours. Correct. Um, a debit card accesses money that is yours that you really can't afford at that time to lose because you want to pay for food or gas or buy that book or necessity is needed as a student. And you can't because you have bank fraud on your debit card, which is linked to your account. So I would say if a student can have a credit card where they can make those purchases and use the funds in your bank account to pay that credit card off. And that will in two build your credit at the same time. Um, and also part of the things that I had researched was I wanted to talk to you about um, the Uniform Commercial Code or the UCC that regulates and defines the responsibilities of counterparties in business and banking transactions. Um, for people who don't know, in layman's terms, what exactly is that? It, in layman's terms, basically, it's just a preventative information that banks use to decipher whether the information coming in for you is just a lot of kind of the same perspective that fosters use mm -hmm. a lot of information gathered by the bank um, to decipher whether that's you or not that's why in some cases um, me working at a bank will get um, emails saying check call this customer to make sure that this particular check is theirs because it yeah. doesn't look like their information yeah or their stuff coming through same with debit card information okay that makes sense because I didn't know um, what that might be but that that puts things into perspective the next question that I had was there was an entire article that was talking about 
the the different tools that the banking industry has developed in order to um, counter counteract fraud um, or prevent fraud um, so you don't have to counteract it. Correct. And one of the things that um, they brought up was positive pay, which they say is a type of account reconciliation service provided by banks. Correct. So can you go more into depth about that? Um, again, in layman's terms for people who might not understand um, all the different lingo of like the banking world and things like that. Okay. Um, positive pay, just in reference, is say you have a company. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're McDonald's. Yeah. And you're having several paychecks go out and your paychecks are being paid to your customers from I say my bank, Prosperity Bank. Yeah. Um, as a teller, we would go in and pull up our positive pay. Now, the, the company would actually go in onto their website that's attached with Prosperity Bank um, mm-hmm. through internet banking and put down every employee's check that they had. The amount, the customer's, the employee's name, um, <clears throat> and the check number. As a teller to prevent fraud. We have to pull up the positive pay and pull up that check number or that amount to make sure everything ma- matches the name, the amount, the check number. If their check is not in positive pay or if the amount is different, then we do not honor that check. They have to go back to their employer and basically either get a new check or have that check put into the system or have the employer call us and say, oops, I forgot to put it in. It is a good check. Please honor it, and we can go ahead and pay it. But that's kind of to prevent check fraud. Okay. Um, And another thing um, as well is uh, that they noted was ACH blocks. Can you go into detail about those? An ACH block is when a merchant basically says, um, I don't want to pay these particular checks that I put into either positive pay or out there to pay. Um, maybe for some reason the employee quit or for some reason they don't want to pay uh, certain amounts. They put in ACH blocks that we do honor um, to where those things won't get paid. Or perspective, some companies won't hit that certain account for pay. Okay. Um, So um, on that note, um, I know that you were talking about how the there's different red flags that, and one of those red flags being like, okay, um, this person is putting all their information in like their like um, first last name and my birthday at Gmail or at Yahoo.com. What are some other things besides having a very obvious, like, PIN number or very obvious, like, Gmail account? What are some other things, um, like, what are other schemes that might not be as obvious that people end up falling for? Um, A lot of times (laughs) it is going to the gas station at a gas pump. You're not really watching the device that you're inserting your card in. Yeah. If you're not paying attention, you could be inserting your device into a fraudulent um, tool for mechanism yeah. to purchase your gas. Yeah. A lot of times you get a hiccup to where you're like, oh, this thing is not working. Let me go inside. It's working. It's just not working for that gas pump. It's working for the fraudster. We even check our ATM because it's easy for them to put one over the device. 
where you can actually get your money, whatever. But as you're getting your money mm-hmm. or getting your gas, they're getting your information. Yeah. Um, using a lot of ATMs that's not connected with the bank as well. Um, can have those devices on them quick, like gas station ATMs or ATM that you're not frequently using. I've had it happen to me mm-hmm. um, where I had fraud because I used a unknown ATM. And that unknown ATM had a device on it to where they can pull your information. Um, another thing as well was, and it's someone that I that I know called that goes to um, different websites and things like that to just just for casual like um, shopping purposes or to purchase things. Uh, what are ways that people can shop online, but? Um, but avoid the bank fraud that might accompany that. You have to make sure when you're looking at a website, there's a lock at the top. Mm-hmm. If you press that lock, it's supposed to give the general um, HTTPS link. Yeah. If it doesn't have that, back out of that because yeah. it could be a fraudulent website mm-hmm. because there are a lot of websites out there sent to mimic the websites that you're going on. They'll have all the general information for your eyes to see. Mm -hmm. But if you're not seeing that up there with the green light, it could potentially be a fraudulent website just with the name of the company that you're searching for. Yeah. So you have to be very aware of that information. I've heard of something like that as well where people were trying to um, uh, verify things for unemployment or or to get their stimulus checks. Excuse me. And people have gone to they've been sent links through their email and they would go to those um go to those links and it would look very much like the irs website and then after you've entered your information it would then take you to the actual irs homepage so that it then looks like legitimate but at the end of the day the beginning of that was not legitimate but they redirected you to the legitimate website afterward to make it look more um, believable and more reputable. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things that reminded me of one of the, the things that I've seen at least um, now recently yeah. uh, become a more prominent problem. Correct. So I think that I think that's good information to have. And let's see. Let's see. So here I had highlighted that positive pay is the single best fraud prevention tool available that the banks use. Do you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Why do you agree? Why do you agree with that? Because you can verify whether that merchant or that company issued that person a check. Mm-hmm. Without that, which is kind of randomly, we have to use other sources, even calling the company or person that wrote the check to verify if that's a legit check Mm -hmm. so positive pay is 100% a good way to prevent fraud check fraud okay let's see another thing that I I think that's all the things that I had highlighted on my end when it comes to the questions that I had um, concerning bank fraud but I also wanted to know in terms of bank fraud, if there's anything that you want to nail home for students that you think, if you take nothing else away from what I'm saying to you now, take <laughs> away this. Well, there's two things okay. that I like to highlight that has been um, very um, dominant right now 
is the fact that a lot of people are, whether they're going on websites and putting their information out there, but they're receiving information via email or mail saying that they are being sent a check. You haven't worked. You did nothing to receive this these funds. Yeah. And you're getting a check in the mail. And the person wants you to put it into your account. Give them some. And you can keep the rest. No job would do that. Yeah. Give you money you haven't worked for. Yeah. That, so that, that one's kind of a big red flag. Yeah. Um, debit card. Protect it like it is part of your body that you're protecting. Because in actuality, since you are college students, you don't have a lot of money to just lose. Yeah. In big chunks like that. In very big chunks. And also, they will test your account sometimes in smaller amounts that you college students may not be aware of. A dollar, a penny, yeah, a couple just to make sure it's yeah. up and running. Yeah. And then they try for bigger amounts to hit you with. So, always be aware of your debit card. Protect it, protect it, protect it. Don't just leave it in your purse slot. Put it up, as I say, in your... Um, wallet. Do you think um, people that have like wallets on their phones because phones are such a a big part almost like a second appendage to to a lot of people now do you think that would be a safe place to put it with the wallets built in on your phone? I don't because it can take a second for someone to walk by and scan your device Mm -hmm. unless you have a protective pocket to where your debit card information magnetic device is protected from that Mm-hmm. type of thing could happen because someone can walk by you with that device in the side of their purse or bag and have your card information yeah um so that's a good thing to i'm old school so i'm like <laughs> put it up <laughs> put it away yeah don't have it just out there sitting around that's why a lot of people that mean uh young and older groups no harm when they see it out there it's like a red flag please bump into me and take my stuff yeah and uh so don't flag it around don't show it the the other thing also that um that i was looking at was the different types of ways that again like i was mentioning earlier with the with being able to take input from the vibrations um from you typing into your phone or into your computer there's another way that people end up doing it which was um they would they would call your bank or they would call more so they would call your phone company uh to kind of pretend like they're you and most phone companies won't really verify like they need to verify whether it's the actual person who owns that phone or not um and the person the fraud the the defrauder will basically call the phone company get that person's personal information and then make do with that kind of with that basically with that avenue with taking their information is there any way to prevent that from happening or is that more up to the phone services if your bank is calling you let's say even for debit fraud if we call you saying that we have a question whether something is fraudulent or not we're not going to ask you for your debit card number yeah we're not going to ask you for the three digits on the back one we don't know the three digits on the back because that's personal to you yeah so we're not going to ask for it Mm -hmm. um we're not going to ask you for your debit card number because we have it yeah. <laughs> We're not going to ask you for your full social security number because we have that already. Yeah. We have that information from you. So if we're calling you to find out information, 
there's certain things we're not going to ask you for all the details of it. We mm-hmm. might ask you for the last four or something to verify, yeah. but not what for are, the whole meet. What are all the things that you'd ask somebody to verify their their information so that people that get those types of calls can differentiate between the two? Um, I would go into detail about that. Oh, is that is that top secret? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Because we do that on a preventative measure um, to actually um, cancel out fraudulent things. Okay, so if so if we were to say it right now, people are like, oh yeah, what if yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. So I gotta put that in my in my forethought, yeah. and I won't ask this question or I'll ask that question. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we do have phone calls where we do not honor it if they can't answer certain questions that we're asking them we're like okay well i can't this phone call can't go any further i'm okay. going to hang up okay my acquisitive mind i have to, I have to, I have to pull back so i, I can tell back. you after we end yeah yes. I, can, I can pull i gotta pull back some yeah but um so uh another thing let's see um do 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 because i wrote down some ways that people end up doing um or defrauding people or getting their information and I wrote down a lot. So let's see. There's the man in browser attack, which is like um, a, a type of malware that's called like a Trojan horse type mm-hmm. of malware, where they, like I said before, they pretend to be a legitimate source and then they end up being something completely nasty. Where you go to a website and you think it's completely legitimate, and then a sudden like window pops up and it's like, oh yeah, you won like a, mm-hmm. a free iPhone yeah. or something like that. Yeah, like a more, a more. Yeah, that kind of too thing. late. Too. Yeah, it's too late at that point. <laughs> but um, yeah, all the information can be taken from that way. Um, another thing that I learned from um, my computer crime class was people that do over the shoulders um, internet surfing, where and that's like. Um, you have to be a rather skilled hacker to do that kind of thing but it's still a reality and that's why um, having things like um, malware protection or um, antivirus protection or even a VPN can help a lot with that kind of thing because the VPNs create sort of a tunnel for you to be able to to go through the internet and basically encrypt all your information and even the people that service you those VPNs can't get your information correct that's what i was going to say you have to be careful what malware site you're going to get yeah. on there because that particular malware site could be yeah they, they're <laughs> pretending to be the good correct. guys but they're getting your they're information, information <laughs> using it. yeah so definitely do your research before you purchase any um type of services like those but other than that those are all the questions that I have in terms of bank fraud. Yes. Uh, being that, being that, you know, you're my mom. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hear this stuff all the time, and I was like, hey, you know, I think that a lot of students would find this really interesting. So I'm like, hey, mom, do you want to do a podcast? Do you yeah. want? Do you want to? Do you want to tell everybody <laughs> about everything you do? So thank you. I think it's awesome. Thank, thank, you, thank you. you. Yes, yes. I had a great time. Thank you for talking with me, and I'm about to close it out. So do you have any final statements before I close it out? No, I just thank you for inviting me to be here to speak, because I always love to speak to the youth and say, (laughs) stop doing that. (laughs) Don't get fraud. Protect your money. Yeah, the kind of conscious. Yes, and now that I was able to give that voice, voice, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yay! Well, uh, okay, y'all. Once again, that was my mom or Veronica Davis talking to us about bank fraud. And if you have any questions about anything money related, 
anything or need any help with coaching or any loan services from our office, you can contact us at money.management at unt.edu. Again, that's money.management at unt.edu. Or you can contact us at our phone number. Even though we are currently remote, we can still answer phone calls. And that's at 940-369-7761. Again, that's 940-369-7761. And we will catch you guys next time.